Thank you. Yay. It is so good to be here. Um, let me get myself sorted. Um, my wife, Katya, sings love. She is in the USA in California at the moment. We are um, living in the city of Reading for a little while. Um, uh, it's a bit of a transition phase that we're in. Katya and I run a ministry called Frequency, which gets to travel into different contexts, different uh, parts of the world, and just release the love of God through the prophetic and through um, good Bible teaching. If you've ever heard my wife, you will know that she is a powerhouse. I want to encourage you to um, download some of the sermons. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, but we're, we're in a transition phase before we move to the East Coast, to Boston, uh, where we're going to um, be based for a while. Um, and so we're in Reading for this transition phase. And I've got two little kids who are the cutest little things ever. I'm so glad God made them so cute. Because uh, there are moments when I think, sweet Jesus, if I could, I might send them to you sooner rather than later. Um, I love being a dad. I love seeing how God um, uh, uses it to reveal things in your own heart. Um, they are a mirror indeed. But we're, we're living in the best days of history. I'm going to say that for myself again so that I can get an amen. We are living in the best days of history. It, it really is very exciting. Across the earth, God is on the move. Um, and I want to encourage you that uh, this is going to be a season for many of you that is going to be absolutely exhilarating and so much fun. So I'd love it if you turned to the Gospel of John, one of my favourite Gospels. If anyone knows anything about me, they will know I've probably been stuck in the Gospel of John for about four or five years. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible, and I'd love you to turn to John chapter 21. But before I do, I wonder if you would um, uh, close your eyes for a moment. Uh, if you're a guest visiting, uh, we just love to uh, acknowledge the presence of Jesus because we believe He is here by His Spirit in a real, tangible, and living way. And uh, if you would just close your eyes and maybe if you want to just open up your hands toward him. Let's just invite his presence. Can you sense his presence is here just in a beautiful way? Just invite him to come to you. He is so kind, much kinder than you could ever anticipate. So Holy Spirit, we invite your presence to come and make Jesus so real to us. I ask you that you would help me um, take the words that I speak and that they would become life and joy for many in this room. I thank you that today you want to speak to people in a beautiful way. And so we just invite you, come and do what only you can do. Come and change lives. Come and help us fall more, more in love with Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Sometimes when I um, speak... Um, how many of you know, if you have friendship with the Holy Spirit, he's the most inconvenient person? Um, I, I find the Holy Spirit very inconvenient. He often interrupts my flow of thought and my agenda. Um, and so he's just done that. And sometimes he will give me words for people that will either encourage them or what's called words of knowledge in the Bible, which are books of information that God gives by Spirit to people so that he can reveal just how much he loves you and cares for you. 
And I felt like God wanted to just do some healing um, for some people. And so just before I get into my preach, um, I feel like particularly in this section over here on my right, your left, towards the back over there, probably about the middle of the last kind of four back rows, someone has had some kind of reoccurring problem. I think it's a shoulder injury that's caused incredible difficulty for you. Um, and I think you're even in a little bit of pain right now. Is that you, ma'am? Okay. So, okay, I promise I didn't get any of this information from Phil before. <laughs> this is God wanting to reveal how much he loves people. So, Father, right now in Jesus' name, we just take authority over that pain. Um, right now, we release your healing. Thank you that your kingdom is here. Release your kingdom upon that body right now. Also, ma'am, I feel like the Lord really wants to encourage you personally that um, he's about to answer some prayers that you've been praying for a number of years repeatedly. Um, I feel like I can see you um, sitting in a chair with your Bible open and I can see you reading a particular passage and it's almost like it's underlined the whole lot. And I feel like there's something about some things that you've been asking God for to do with some relationships. Uh, they have been on your heart for a long time, but have been estranged for a number of years. And I feel like the Lord wants you to know he's gonna answer that. That there's gonna be some closure, there's gonna be some healing, and there's gonna be some um, release of miraculous breakthrough in that area for you. Because um, it's something that's very dear to your heart, and you've been saying, God, I don't know how to do this. And God says, I'm gonna do what you can't. Um, and so the Lord really wants to encourage you. I also feel like the spin-off for you is that it's produced some incredible moments of anxiety, particularly at night, and your sleep patterns have been disrupted. And I feel like the Lord wants to say he's gonna begin to heal some of your sleep patterns. Um, and there's gonna be like a rest that will come on you so you don't have to worry, that you don't have to be anxious because he's gonna be kinder than you could ever think or imagine. So Father, we just bless this lady right now. Um, I'm presuming it's making sense because you're shaking your head. Thank you, God, that you know this dear lady, that you love her, and that you wanna um, do some miracles on her behalf in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't that cool? Um, I, I feel like there's another person here who, I actually think you're in this section over here, possibly um, one, two, three, in kind of third and fourth rows. So the third and fourth rows. Um, I see some kind of um, issue to do with like, um, I don't know if it's migraines or something, but it's like you get reoccurring headaches that almost cause you to be, um, like you can't do much, it just comes at you. Um, is that you? Why don't you stand please, ma'am? Thank you. Okay, so now there might be some more of you who have this problem because you know, if it's you, be great for you to stand. If you have reoccurring headaches that come at you and almost leave you unable to do anything, I just feel like God wants to heal people, particularly with like um, cluster headaches or migraines. God wants to heal that. And so Father, right now in Jesus' name, we thank you for your presence here. Thank you that you're doing an incredible work. Thank you that God, you uh, wanna come close to everyone in this room. This is not just about the one or the two, this is about all of us coming into an encounter. And so wherever healing is needed, right now in the name of Jesus, I take authority over these conditions and I declare your kingdom upon them and I release healing right now in Jesus' name, amen. And ma'am, I, I feel like the Lord uh, is really wanting to unlock a fresh season of confidence for you. 
I feel like this last season, there's been so much shaking around you and it's just knocked your confidence. Uh, I feel like even, to, I don't know if it's got to do with a job situation, but yeah, so, and it's like everything inside has just been shaking your confidence, your, the, the kind of, um, you've actually got quite a cheeky sense of humor and uh, you're a strong woman, but everything has been knocked in this last season. And God says, I'm about restoring some things for you. I'm about to unlock some things in you that is gonna release such an incredible sense of favor. And I feel like where there's been um, injustice in the workplace, God is gonna vindicate and bring favor to you in the most outrageous way. And so just know his hand is on you, he loves you, and uh, his plans for you are good. Um, And I just feel like he's inviting you into a partnership afresh to dream with him to dream with him. I feel like your life actually, particularly during your early years as a Christian was marked by dreams. You had a number of dreams that helped direct what God was doing with you. And I feel like God's saying, it's coming again. The, the dreams are coming again. And he's gonna unlock not just dreams about what you're going through, but he's gonna unlock dreams about the future for you and through you. So Father, we just bless this dear lady right now in Jesus' name, amen. So as I was saying, you know, the Holy Spirit is one of the most inconvenient people I know. He's my best friend and I love him. And uh, I had had, um, when you do a lot of ministry all over the world, you kind of have some recycled sermons, right? That you are able to do just, you know, at the drop of a hat. And uh, I, I felt like I had a great recycled sermon for you guys. And uh, inconveniently enough, I felt the Holy Spirit redirect me to some things. And so I wanna be obedient. So part of this is gonna be a little bit of external processing, but you've got such great theologians up front here. Like if I say anything wrong, they'll sort it out next week. <laughs> um, so John chapter 21, I want us to read from a verse, um, verse one. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the sea of Tiberias and revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we'll go with you. And they went out, got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. And just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. I just want you to, I just want to pause there. Did you hear the prophetic word that that lovely gentleman brought this morning about a new day? This is a new day moment. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, casting it on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging in the net full of fish for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. And so Simon Peter went abroad, holding the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast now. 
Sorry, come and have breakfast. Now one of the disciples, sorry, now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. Now this was the third time that Jesus had revealed to the disciples, himself to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. I love the Gospel of John. John is one of my favourite Gospels because um, John is uh, what I call a prophet of love. Uh, he is a bit of a, if you do some studies around John, you realise that he's also known as the revelator or a mystic. He's someone who kind of lives with his head in the clouds and he has all the feels. And you pick that up when he says, you know, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Um, he's talking about himself in that moment. You'll see some pictures of him reclining on Jesus' chest. He, he's this kind of incredible prophetic seer lover type person in, in the gospel. And when he writes, he writes so with a sense of drama and poetry and allegory. That's what the Gospel of John is all about. You'll see that the Gospel of John starts off as a book of new beginnings. It starts off with the exact same words that we find in Genesis, in the beginning was God. Um, because John's whole idea for writing this book is to help the reader realise that there is a new day in the person of Jesus, that there is a new beginning in the person of Jesus, that new creation is now breaking out on the earth. And you'll see that he then gives us seven miracles, seven incredible miracles, which he kind of uses to illustrate the seven days of creation. And so you see these miracles break out. I love that the first miracle that Jesus does is turn water into wine. I really do love it. I'm going to say that again. I think one or two of you didn't get that. I love that the first miracle he does is he turns water into abundant wine. It is the most unnecessary and excessive miracle in the Bible. I love it when people have a problem with an understanding of biblical abundance. Because if you see throughout the Gospel of John, the emphasis is always on the abundant overflow, the excessive nature of God's goodness. That's a good word, Julian. Um, the excessive nature of God's goodness. These guys, I grew up in a mixed race home in South Africa. And um, we know how to party. We don't party like white people. Uh, we know how to party. We do a party for a weekend. And this was one of those kinds of parties that's been going on for a long while. And they had already drunk their fill and then Jesus decides to give them more wine than they could ever drink. I mean, it's just crazy. It's like over the top abundance. I'm not quite sure what to do with that in my theology. But all I'm saying is that the nature of God's glory is revealed in His abundance and extravagance toward His people. And so you see these seven miracles, and I, I, I love the allegory. One of the big allegories that I love is uh, that what was lost in the Garden of Eden is restored in the Garden in the Gospel of John. You'll see this beautiful um, picture of, of God, doing, um, God doing the work of recreation in Christ, and it begins in a garden where He's being crushed. And rather than choosing his own will, he decides to submit his will to a good papa. And it begins the work of recreation. It's absolutely incredible. One of the other things that I love is that the first revelation of Jesus post his resurrection is not as conquering king. It's not as uh, this 
this mighty deliverer. It's not as this powerful preacher. The first revelation of Jesus as king is as a gardener. Mary finds him in the garden tomb and, and says to him, I'm looking for the Christ and then suddenly realizes you are the Christ. The revelation we first see of Jesus is redemptive in nature because we know that Adam's first job was to till the garden, wasn't it? And our new Adam, Jesus, is revealed as the one who is a gardener. One of the things that tells me is that God is still interested in what you do with your time and your work. God is still interested in redeeming the earth that the job of making all things new has not come to an end, that there is no divide between the incredible power of His resurrection and the coming of His kingdom on earth to make all things new. And then we get to this verse in John chapter 21, the last encounter that we're really seeing. I, I love this because the disciples have just been with Jesus. They've just had an, an encounter with Jesus in which He breathes on them in the previous chapter for them to receive the Spirit. He tells them, now you need to wait for the Holy Spirit. He breathes on them. They become, uh, as it were, empowered by the same resurrection life. And He says, you need to wait because there's coming a second infilling. There's coming another outpouring that is going to make you my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And Peter is stuck in the middle of this and I love Peter, he's waking now and he decides, I've had enough waking, I'm just gonna go fishing. And, and I feel prophetically there's something about God wanting to encourage you around what it means to be a people who live in the tension of delay. Who live in the tension of delay. Because the thinking that got you where you are today is not the thinking that will take you into your destiny. And I love how Peter is Stuck, he's waiting, he's just been commissioned, he's just received life on the resurrected Lord. And there's this little delay between uh, the next outpouring or the next encounter, as it were. And he's like, I'm going to do what I know to do. And, and I, I can understand something of Peter. I can just imagine he's got family to feed. He's had this kind of three-year adventure with Jesus that made him quite popular, but all of that's gone. He's had this incredible three-year adventure of seeing miracles and seeing God multiply things, seeing God bring incredible repetitive breakthroughs. But now he's stuck in a room, afraid for his life. He doesn't know what to do. And so he does what any other normal person would do. Go back to what you know. The problem about living as a Christian in the place of delay is that delay should not Delay should not produce reasonable living. Delay should produce faithful expectation. Delay should produce faithful expectation. And you know, sometimes we can live in a place of waiting for another breakthrough, waiting for an encounter, waiting for God to do what He promised. And what we think we need to do is go do some work and try and hustle our way to the promise. And what these guys have toiled for all night, Jesus does in one moment in the morning. I, I just want to touch on this just for a moment because there is something in the Christian world that I'm very concerned about and it's called hustling. We think that if we can network our way to favour, if we can just work really hard and toil and, and you know, do what we need to do, then we'll get the breakthrough. The thing is all that we receive, we receive by grace and favour. 
not by our hard work or effort. And it's so easy for us to go back to what we know and miss the incredible breakthroughs that God wants to bring. You see, I believe that ultimately the promises of God mean nothing without His presence. And the journey that God might be having you on is not the journey of, um, how do I say this nicely? I'm trying to figure out and not use my South African filter. I need to use my UK filter here. Um, God doesn't want us to live in the place of predictable comfort. He wants us to live in the place of unreasonable faith. You see, faith is something we don't often talk about in our processing with God. We often feel like faith requires too much from people. But the reality is that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, faith is not in my ability to believe. Faith rests in the security of who Jesus is and His goodness as displayed on the cross. It means that I have got a security, I've got a down payment that because Jesus is alive, sooner or later, His goodness in my life will be on display. And in the place of delay, what that needs to produce is not more reasonable living, it's supposed to produce more faithful living. It's supposed to produce an expectation that he's going to go way above. I love what Ephesians tells us. Ephesians tells us that we're invited to imagine how, God, how good God is, and then he wants to exceed that. Faith, your imagination, is the blank check of faith that God gives you. What are you imagining? What are you thinking? What are you believing, God, for your city, for your workplace, for your family? What are you trusting him for? And the thing about faith is it's connected to a person, not to a belief system. It's connected to a relational dynamic with the goodness of who Jesus really is. When you get that, you realize that in a moment, his voice spoken into your situation, spoken into your delay can bring a radical change almost immediately. And I love how John, you know, kind of gives you this, this platform of Peter waiting and then he's like, you know what, I've got a great idea. I'm going to do what I used to do. So I'm going to go back to the way that I used to think. I'm going to live the way that I used to live, even though I've had an encounter and I'm going to go fishing. And then John says, at the breaking of dawn, this is a new day moment. And you'll see this kind of analogy throughout the Gospel of John. Just as John is wanting to help us understand something about the goodness of God or about the expression of his new creation coming to earth, you'll see a little phrase thrown in like this. And he's doing it intentionally. And Jesus is central to the new day that is dawning. I want to encourage you, your destiny, your delay that you might be facing can never ever be fulfilled. Your breakthrough that you're looking for can never ever be fulfilled without seeing the centrality of the person and the promises and the beauty and the splendor of who Jesus is. I love Moses. God's getting a little bit frustrated with the people of Israel and so he says to Moses, hey Moses, I'll give you an angel 
and you can lead the people out. And Moses says something incredible. He says, unless you go with us, I will not go because the promises of God without his presence mean nothing. And Jesus in a moment speaks a word and everything changes. There's no hustling to be done. There's no work to be done. And I mean, it's, it's incredible. These guys have been fishing all night. If you're a fisherman, which I'm not, but people tell me, the worst time to try and catch fish is at sunrise. In the least expected moment of fruitfulness, when the disciples have stopped trying to do something in their own effort, Jesus speaks and breakthrough comes. I wonder if many of us live in yesterday's revelation and because we're holding so tightly to yesterday's revelation, we aren't hearing the now voice of God for our situation. And we got caught up in working to try and get to a promise when actually we should be leaning in and listening to the sweetness of his voice. You know, Abraham would have killed the promise if he relied on an earlier revelation, an earlier revelation of what God said to him, rather than leaning in to the present revelation of what God was saying. You see, Abraham, God told him, I want you to sacrifice my son. If he stayed stuck in that place of revelation, he would not have heard, Abraham, there's a ram that I've provided. And sometimes we're so used to holding onto old promises or old ways of doing things or old expectations of how things should happen that we miss what God is doing now and we default our breakthroughs and our promises. The thing about believing God for a new thing is that that means there is no reference to gauge it against. Many of us, when we talk about a new move of God or a new breakthrough or whatever it is that God's gonna do, we often filter that through past moves of God, through past revelations that God has revealed. But the reality is that when we say new, it means there's no reference point for it. It means we haven't seen it. It means we don't know what this is gonna look like or how this is gonna work itself out. But we're leaning in. We wanna hear his voice now. We wanna hear what he's saying to the church. Now, I just wanna say this and I feel like I wanna just lean into this. I'm not even quite sure if I'm allowed to say this, but I'll say it. The promises of God, when they are delayed, should produce rest for the believer, right? Because our trust is not in the fulfillment of a word, our trust is in a person who is good. Which means even when we don't see the breakthrough, it's gonna be good somehow, sooner or later. I wanna encourage you as a church, the delay around your building should not produce reasonable thinking, it should produce faithful expectation for even better and more. Uh, I'll just break it down a little bit more. It should produce, no one's paying me for this, but I'm gonna say this anyway. It should produce a greater expectation of faithful giving into something that God's about to do because it's for the sake of a city and for the sake of a nation. Amen, Julian, good point. <laughs> There's something about us understanding the goodness of God in the place of delay and leaning in for his now voice. 
had been working all night. And then Jesus, he says, the, the language that John actually uses is quite playful. Uh, it's literally saying, hey kids, you caught anything yet? Why, why don't you just throw your net on the other side? You've been working so hard, trying to do this thing by yourself, trying to work yourself into a breakthrough, trying to work yourself into a fulfilled promise. Just throw your net on the other side. And they catch such a humongous load of fish that the miracle is that the net didn't even break. I wonder if our delay has produced grumpiness, frustration, and offense with God in whatever area of our life, rather than a sense of holy expectation. And I feel this morning God wants to minister to people who are waiting for promises to be fulfilled, but it's produced offense, it's produced delay, it's produced frustration rather than expectation. Because how we think about our last season is not gonna take us into our new season. We cannot rely on the same mechanisms, the same systems, the same way of earning cash, the same way of making a living is not gonna cut it in the new season that God has for us. We need to think differently. We need to perceive differently. We need to see differently. I, I love that Peter suddenly realizes this is Jesus, the one that he loves, and he forgets about the breakthrough, he forgets about the miracle catch, and he runs straight to Jesus. And here's the thing I love about this story, again, so tongue in cheek. He gets to Jesus and realizes the thing that they've been working for all night, Jesus has already prepared for them. The fish is already there. The Bible doesn't seem to tell us how it was caught, but all I know is that must have been the best tasting fish that morning they'd had. Prepared, ready for them to eat. Do you know, what religion does is religion makes you work for something that you've already been given. I find it fascinating in the Garden of Eden, the temptation that was given to Eve was that you would become like God and you would have to do something in order for that thing to happen. But the reality is, the Bible says that Eve already was made in the image of God. And the root of religious activity, the root of performance-driven relationship is to make you work for something that Jesus has already prepared for you. And you know, in, in our current climate where our social media dictates how good we feel about ourselves very often. In our current climate where your opinion is the thing that you hold to as the defining factor of who you are. In the current climate of I need to perform and make sure that I'm doing all I can do, I believe Jesus wants to say to you, I've already got something prepared for you. I've already got food prepared for you. I've already got a feast prepared for you. So quit working for something that I have already given to you. He really is that kind. 
I believe the Lord wants to invite us into a space of enjoying that. The last thing that I love about this text, and then we're gonna pray for some people. I know tonight we'll do a lot more extended prophetic ministry. Is there a number of times, particularly in the Gospel of John, that Jesus reveals himself plainly in the midst of people's circumstances, but they are unable to recognize him? We see it with Mary in the garden, we see it on the road to Emmaus, and we see it here. You see, they say to, John writes this text and he says they, they were sitting there eating with them and none of them dared ask who he was because they knew it was Jesus. The inference in this particular verse is that they weren't actually quite sure. They kind of saw him and knew it was probably Jesus, but there was this little thing of, but he hasn't looked like this before. The resurrection changes everything. It changes the way you perceive Everything. And so when Jesus now in his resurrected life, and I wish I had time for this, just by the way, Jesus in his empowered resurrected life is doing something very practical by cooking food and by eating. Whenever you live in a spirituality that divorces practicality, it's probably not spiritual. In all of the revelations other than the garden revelation of Mary, Jesus is doing something practical. He's eating with his disciples because the design of heaven is always meant to be connected to earth. And when you live in a spirituality that removes practicality, that removes enjoying life, that removes enjoying relationship, that removes enjoying community, it's probably not genuine spirituality. That one was just for free. But so here's Jesus, and they, they've hung out with him for three years. They know what he looks like, but they cannot perceive who he really is because he's now infused and he's now embodying the resurrection life of the Holy Spirit. I, I wanna say to you, there are many moments that in the midst of delay, Jesus is there, and very often we cannot perceive him because he doesn't show up the way we expect him to show up. And it's something about us learning to ask God for eyes to see again, to perceive differently. Because Jesus is still showing up and he's still showing off. And I can guarantee you that most often he's not gonna do it through the lens of your religious filter or through the lens of your past experience. Because when he says he is the resurrection and life, that when he shows up in the midst of everything that looks like turmoil, something new is about to break out and that sometimes means you might not be able to perceive it. And so I'm learning to ask God, give me eyes to see where Jesus is at work. And you might be in delay right now. You might be in this place where you received a commission from God as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And you're going, I don't know what to do. I'm gonna go back to my fishing lifestyle. I'm gonna go back to what's familiar. I wanna say to you, the thinking that got you where you are is not the thinking that's gonna take you into your destiny. And that your destiny and the promises that God has for you is connected to your relationship with Him and leaning in to hear His voice. And that sometimes he's gonna show up in the midst of your circumstance in a way that you did not expect him to. 
Look for his fingerprints. Look for what he is doing, not what he's not doing. And here's the thing that gets me about this gospel story. Is that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same resurrection life that was at work in his dead body to bring life back to him, is the same resurrection life that is at work in you, in your workplace, in your family. And if you're not a Christian here today, we don't live this life because we're trying to be good. We live this life because we're empowered by the goodness of the new life that Jesus offers. What I wanna do is I wanna ask you, I've just got a few moments, I'm gonna go over time just for a few seconds. If you're living in a place of delay, if you're saying, I haven't seen the promise, I had that encounter, I had that moment of commission, I had that prophetic promise, I had that word, but I'm still waiting for the promise and you find yourself hustling, you find yourself trying to work for something that God wants to give you for free. You find yourself trying to earn something that God wants to give you to steward. Or you become offended with him. I wanna ask God to come and minister to you and to bring freedom. And so if that is you, won't you stand? Because I believe God wants to break the disappointment of delay today. God wants to break the disappointment of delay because delay for us should produce expectation and faith because Jesus is alive. So where you are, I want you just maybe lift up your hands or put your hand on your heart, whatever makes you feel most comfortable. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your presence and your power in this place. Father, I thank you that you are good and that the resurrection secures affirms and establishes that your new creation is breaking out all over the earth and sooner or later your goodness will prevail over all things. And right now, God, where men and women are living in delay, waiting for promise, waiting for breakthrough, waiting for favour, right now in the name of Jesus, I declare breakthrough. I declare favour. I declare a laying down of offence and a picking up of holy expectation. God, I pray that peace would be the guiding factor, would be the umpire of men and women's heart while they wait for the promise. And so I break disappointment of delay. I break seasons of extended grief right now. Grief over missed moments, grief over missed promises. And in Jesus' name, I release your presence right now. Come Holy Spirit, there's a gentleman here, I think you're probably in your mid to late 40s, mid-30s to late to, to early 40s. You're an entrepreneur and you started out in some business that you really felt God tell you to do and it's all just gone belly up and you're absolutely exhausted because you've worked so hard to do it. I believe the Lord wants to minister to you right now. Who's that gentleman? It's like you are an entrepreneur. You, it's like you. And there are numbers of you. I, I feel particularly... One of the things the Lord is gonna unlock in this church 
is the spirit of unusual creativity and entrepreneurship. And I believe there are gonna be numbers of businesses that are gonna be started and unlocked for the sake of the city, but also for the sake of wealth creation. And I feel like God wants to just break some disappointment for some people around entrepreneurship and around creativity. And so if that's you, just lift up your hands just quickly. I know there's some numbers of you. Father, right now, there might be ladies as well, so this is cool for that. But right now in Jesus' name, I break the disappointment over failed entrepreneurial endeavors right now in Jesus' name. And I release outrageous favour. I release deals. I release ideas. I release innovative Moments, aha moments that come out of revelation, that come out of hearing from you for the sake of a city, for the sake of a nation, for the sake of family, for the sake of community. Right now, break through in this area. God, I thank you that this church will be known as a hub of entrepreneurial creativity. That, that Students would not want to go to London, they want to stay here because something is happening here in terms of the entrepreneurial and financial base of the nation. We unlock that right now in Jesus' Name. Come Holy Spirit. The last thing I want to do is this. I feel I want to pray for people with long-term illness, pain, long-term sickness. Um, and I believe God wants to break some disappointment and I'm standing here as someone who's struggling with long-term illness and pain. But my expectation is that sooner or later, I'm trusting this side of heaven. I will experience a full outworking of what Jesus paid for at the cross. And so I wanna ask if you got long-term illness, every time I've talked, um, Around disappointment in particular, I pray for this and we see some unusual breakthroughs afterwards, particularly to do with healing. I feel like there are numbers of you with um, particular allergies that the Lord wants to heal. And there are numbers of you who live with low level and high level pain all the time, God wants to heal it. So if you've got a long-term illness, quickly stand up and you believe in breakthrough for. It can be anything. I want to encourage you, if God heals you, test it out over the next week, drop an email, share what God's saying, because I feel like even right now, something's about a shift over this church around healing. Um, you guys have experienced some incredible healings, but I feel like you've maybe experienced more disappointments than breakthroughs in the area of healing. But I believe God wants to bring you into a tipping point where it's the other way around where it's more healing than disappointment. I believe the next year there's gonna be a season of increased healing in your meetings, increased healings in your times together. It's not gonna be bound to a Sunday morning. It's gonna break out in community. There's something about God breaking things out in community. There's something quite unique that God wants to do with you in community around the supernatural. And so Father, right now in Jesus' Name, I take authority over long-term illnesses and the disappointment, the consistent standing up for prayer for this thing again, going out again one more time for prayer around this thing. <laughs> but God, I thank You that today could be the day that that very thing stops and Your healing power breaks in. And so in the Name of Jesus, I take authority over pain. I take authority over long-term illnesses and I release Your healing. Let Your kingdom come on these bodies 
In Jesus' name, why don't you lift up a huge shout of praise to Jesus?